Let's look to uh, 121. so much to pray about um, mom and dad are really struggling and please keep them in, in your prayers uh, and also brother Don and Kathy and um, well brother Don don't need our prayers anymore he, he's way ahead of us um, but uh, Kathy does and the rest yeah. of his family does and so Let's remember them. Has anyone got a prayer request this morning? I would like you to keep Elizabeth and Zeke in your prayers, and we are just a little bit more than thankful that God was so kind to us this last week and taking care of the situation. And he's at Orange Springs this morning. I remember him. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to ask Brother Greg. Um, 
we we lost one of our deacons, and um, you know that that's trying time for our church. But uh, I'm gonna ask Brother Greg to take us to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the opportunity today to gather in your house, dear Lord. It is with heavy hearts that we uh, come and ask that you that we all lift up the Graves family as in their time of need right now, dear Lord. Uh, bless them and comfort them and allow them to understand that the purpose is yours, dear Lord, and that we're here to help them and support them, but also, dear Lord, that we're here to serve you and the, the needs that you put upon this community and this church. Allow us to be the beacon, the light that other people need, just as Brother Don has throughout his service to you, dear Lord. We're thankful for him and the opportunity to serve with him, dear Lord. Please lift up this church and this hour of need because the comfort that you give us is also known to so many others, but even more people need to know that comfort. Allow us to be the spokesperson for you, dear Lord, to show that comfort to those in need. For your son's own name, we pray. Amen. Amen. If nobody's got anything they'd like to share, uh, we'll take our classes at this time. Are you teaching? Yeah. <laughs> Good, I knew I was. <laughs> <laughs> person in our community and um, I was not expecting that. I had not kept up with him like maybe I should have the last two or three days, but I've just been looking for um, 
a time that Brother Don was going to be back with us. And uh, we um, were just, uh, I, I just was not expecting that. And, you know, a lot is often said about uh, how we enjoy it. And, and, and now we're going to miss Brother Don's uh, the big smile that he always had and shared with us. Gosh, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that a lot. Uh, last Sunday afternoon, I, I just I walked from the house down to their house and went in the door to see him. And although he was on that bed, he, I walked in and there was just a great big smile on his face. Now, you, you'd have to know that Don come by that a little bit honest because uh, Don's father, uh, Mr. Jim Graves, that lived in our community, uh, was just a very pleasant person to be around. And uh, when I see Don's big smile, I think of his mother because, to me, she always was wearing a big smile, too. Is it, anybody remember Jim and Jamie Lewis? Anybody remember that? Yeah. Jim drove one of our school buses here in the community, and Patsy's dad, Ivy, um, drove the other one. And um, so we, we, um, we're just going to miss them. Uh, we're going to miss Don. And um, uh, when I talked to Brother Steve this morning, I, I think he said Thursday uh, that he talked to Don Thursday, and he was just old on, you know. He was laughing and, and talking, and um, and then this morning, Sister Kathy called Brother Steve pretty early and, and said, you know, Don's not doing well, and and then she called back in a few minutes and said he's he's gone. But there's lots of worse ways to die than that. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, you know, struggling um, and and not being able to to get around or do the things you, you want to do for a long time, and uh, you know, uh, I, I know I talked to mom this morning, and she said just out of the blue, Dad asked her how how you hold a a cotton pick sack. Or how you drug it, and she's, you know, she. Well, a lot of us, a lot of us in here don't know what that is, but um, they. Uh, she said, "Well, you know, it, it had a strap at the top, and you you put it over your head and over one shoulder and under the other arm." And he couldn't understand that, and it just bothered him all afternoon that he couldn't remember how to use a pick sack. Now, of all the problems in the world, that was the biggest one to him that day. Um, but that's where he's at. He's back in the 50s and 40s and 30s. Um, I, I was trying to talk to him several months ago, and he, uh, he, he, he really struggled 
when we were talking about current events. But, and I, 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 I wouldn't get her name right, but he had a cousin that, a female that could plow mules better than most men. And uh, I asked him about her, and he just opened up and he said, man, she could do it. She, she could plow a team of mules and better than most men. And we just talked about an hour for uh, about plowing mules. So, you know, um, to know that Don was, was happy and still smiling Thursday and it's gone now, there, there's a blessing from the Lord in yes, that. Yes, there it is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, I, I don't... When someone passes and, uh, you know, I, I think there's, um, there's good reason for us to pause and just talk about this because uh, we are uh, family and we've lost a member of our church family and so it's it's a little bit hard for uh, everything to be just business as you as usual it's just it's, you just can't hardly do it um, although i think don would want us to go on to have our service and uh and to remember him um in, in, in the fondest of ways of which we're doing and i i think about um uh, a favorite verse in the Bible that I, I think of often when I hear that someone has passed away, and we paraphrase it. We, we don't quote it just like it's the Bible said, but we paraphrase it in a way that it means exactly the same. But that, that comes from Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, um, where Paul is talking about... Um, being absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's our paraphrase. It's a, it's a little more wordy than that. But we, we say that. And, it, and so that's true. It, that, that just brings so much comfort to me that to know that when we do leave, as we will do because we all have that appointment, but when, we, but when our spirit becomes absent from the body in which it dwells, that it'll be immediately present uh, with the Lord. And I, I just, uh, I love that. I love that scripture a lot. And uh, Bo chose to sing uh, 362, I'm thine, O Lord. And I don't know if this, this just jumped off the page to me this morning. Um, in the fourth verse, we've sung it hundreds of times, but it says, there are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that we may not reach till we rest in peace with Thee. And uh, so that, that really spoke to me this morning that Don is experiencing a depth of love as loving and kind as he was. He's experiencing the depths of love that he was not able to experience living and the heights of joy that we'd all like to attain sometime we, we may not reach those many times in our life uh, until we rest at peace with god
but uh, we just want to, want to be um, remembering this family in our prayers today. Does anyone else, would you like to share something about Don? If you'd like to, just take a moment to do that. I think it's absolutely appropriate. When, when my mother passed away, I was so hurt. She was then, oh, just, I was so close to her. And immediately, my mind went to the scripture. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto thee. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And and God just lifted me up during that time like I have never had before or since. And my prayer is that God would lift Kathy up like yes. that mm -hmm. and just carry her through this. Absolutely. Anyone else you'd like to share? I think Dawn really taught us a lesson in which I very do not carry through on following his lead. But even though he was sick and in the bed, and I don't know how many in here got phone calls from him, you know, checking on me, encouraging me. And I just hope that I will take that um, example and be a better um, spokes, spokesperson for God. Yeah, he's an encourager. Yes. I think that's what I think about Don. I think he's an encourager. And uh, that's something we all should aspire to be. Uh, instead of being someone that needs constant encouragement or affirmation, just lay that aside and, and try to be an encourager to others. He, he will always be that example to me as well. His, his smile also is infectious. Yeah, that's true. I definitely missed his phone calls, and it, it every time he would call me, it would remind me of how it was when I was young, and my papa and grand, because my papa was the Sunday school superintendent and all that, and they were always talking to other church members or family on the phone, calling and checking on them, and that sort of stuff, and that's, I hadn't had that in years. Somebody used to call me and say, hey, just check it on and let me know I'm thinking about you. He wouldn't keep me on the phone long. It was just, how you doing? <laughs> that was it. But I've definitely missed that. And I'm like her. I, I know I can do better in doing that. I was blessed to be in high school a year or two with Don. Um, I think he graduated in 1965. I graduated in 70. But I associated with him on the uh, what we call playground back then. Uh, football season didn't last forever, uh, like it does now. Uh, the uh, senior boys would get come and play with the uh, younger kids, and and yeah, y'all heard me say this before. But Don sent me out on a, a pass route one time. He said, "I'm gonna throw you ball," and he threw it to me. I don't know if I caught it or not. I remember him throwing it to me though which is kind of unusual for a senior to associate with a seventh or eighth grader. But, you know, if you look over down through his life, I'm sure everything was not always rosy in, in Don and Kathy's life like everybody else. But 
Dunn, the star football player, married Beauty Queen, his, his high school sweetheart. And they spent their whole life together. And, uh, you know, that's something that a lot of people can't say. Uh, that you, you married your high school sweetheart and you lived, grew up, raised your kids, grandkids, whatever. You know, had you a little... Had you a little piece of ground over there that, that you could go out and walk on and, and be proud that you were you know able to take care of it. But when I look at him, I just look at he and Kathy, I think, what a, you know, it was this, probably a simple life, like most of us. You know, we're, we're not well known in the world or anything, and, but it was a, uh, it was a comfortable life. It was a, a joyful life, and, and, he, and his smile will tell you that, and Kathy's smile too. She's she's got she's got an infectious smile too. But I just think that that when you think back on the, their life, what a complete circle it was. You know, they, they started out young, they, they grew up, and, and just completed a life cycle. Uh, in in what looking back on it. it just seems like it was just that long ago that I was that little skinny kid going down the right side of the field and looking back for that ball. But it's it's been what 55 years or so, and uh, but it's it something made an impression on me then, and uh, I, I never forgot it. Well, don't you feel like Roger? That was uh, his expression of encouragement to you then. Sure. Yeah, because yeah. that was encouraging, wasn't it? Oh, hey, I said senior <laughs> yeah. boys didn't, you know, seniors didn't mess with the little kids like uh -huh. that. They, they might thump us on the ear or something, but most of them would, but not took an interest in us. And... Yeah, my uh, grandson caught a pass in the end zone. He's 10 years old and played football he was playing, and I, I saw how that that transformed him to, to, to be chosen to do that, and so Don was being encouraging, uh, encouragement to you even there. Anyone else you'd like to share anything? Well, I think we're all greatly blessed that you know Don and Kathy has not been members of our church family here for a real long time, but hasn't been a blessing. It will continue to be a blessing to be part of Kathy's life and her part of our church family. But hasn't it been a blessing that we have been, we have been the recipients of a great blessing uh, for them coming and the Lord leading them to be with us. Um, I, um, I just don't quite know where to continue in today. And, um, but I think I will ask you to turn to Romans 8. That's where we are. And it's kind of, a, it's kind of tough to uh, try to follow the wonderful teaching of Brother Michael. Um, it's doing such a, a wonderful job teaching our class from week to week. And he has brought us through Romans to chapter 7 and is gone today when we reach what to many and to me would be one of my very favorite chapters in the whole Bible, yes. Romans chapter 8. Because um, 
And, and I may just talk a little bit about the first verse or so. But in Romans chapter 8, you, we start with a great pronouncement that, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to come back and dwell on that some. But there is now therefore no condemnation. And then we get over to the last of chapter 8 and we see how that we have received this pardon and then we are reminded that there are nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And that, that we are more than conquerors. We find that and we get into the last of it and then all through the middle part of this chapter we're reminded that God's working in our life is for our good. Uh, for we know that those who love the Lord, all things are working together for our good. So that what a, it's just a wonderful, wonderful chapter. And i really like to leave most of it for Brother Michael to come back and to teach us on. But I'll think back just for a moment it, it is, as we think about this first verse, you know, we go, we step back into chapter seven, and wow, it, Paul was in a strain. He he was just in a strain, and he was talking about that on behalf of all of us. And you know, as we have studied through uh, the first seven chapters of Romans, it's all been about the law and grace and what was required under the law and the problem that the Jewish people had in trying to comprehend that because they were taught so much under the, uh, uh, the requirements of the law and to get their mind around God's grace was just something that they couldn't do. And it was hard for Paul. And in chapter uh, 7, um, you know, he talks about, and we ended up here last week, that, you know, he confesses that he knows that there's nothing good that dwells in me, in my flesh. For, he said, he, he's, I'm paraphrasing some now, he said, I have a desire to do good. I have a, a, a desire to do what's right but I don't have, seem to have the ability to carry it out. And so, isn't that the conflict that we still, we war with uh, in our bodies today? For when I, when I want to do good, evil is always present. I just always have to deal with it. He goes on down, and again paraphrasing in 20, uh, chapter, uh, verse 23 in chapter 7, he said, I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, taking me captive to sin. And uh, so he, he just really ends all this, and to me, in a strain about all that. And I think about my own personal uh, strain. That's the strain I'm in. If there's something in me deep down inside me that has a genuine um, 
no ulterior motives, but there's something down there inside me that wants to do good. And I think that's in the heart of everybody that has accepted Jesus as our Savior. But, but wow, all the problems I have trying to make that happen, I just can't hardly... Uh, I, I, I just, it's just that battle. It's just that battle that's raging. That's the human condition that we're faced with. And Brother Michael's done a wonderful job talking to us about that in these other chapters. But we get down here to uh, chapter 8. And we start with the first part of that verse. And it says, There is now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now that is a statement, if we can really get a hold of it, that would put us uh, on shouting ground, as the old people used to say. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. None. So, I, I, I don't know if you could think back at the time, have you when you really felt a load of condemnation. And boy, I did. Before I accepted the Lord, I felt like I was under such a load of condemnation. I, I will never forget that. Um, the church's reigns a little bit different than it was at that time. But there was a pew over here, and I was sitting there, and my dad was leading the song here, and there were some pews over here and people were all crowded praying in the altar. And I felt under such a load of condemnation just as a young boy that I just could not seem to move under it. And, um, and just did not know what to do. And I'll never forget looking back around at my dad and I guess dad knew what an inward struggle I was dealing with. And, and he just said, son, Go if you feel like it. It wasn't a push. It was just a word of encouragement. Go if you feel like it. And I went uh, to an altar prayer over here in what we refer to as the Amen section. And uh, that load of condemnation left my life. I mean, it was gone. And it, it, it didn't leave when I knelt down to pray. Um, and and I, I don't want this to sound conflicting to anyone else's experience. Our salvation experience is our own. But the load of condemnation left, when I left where I was at, and I started making my way toward Jesus. And that's when it's left. So today, in, in and of myself, um, I, I can't, I, I'm not adequate to do anything. I don't feel adequate to be standing here trying to teach a Sunday school lesson or um, trying to represent myself as that I know anything about anything really. Um, but what this verse is teaching us and telling us is that it's all because of Jesus. And it's not, it's not about me. 
it's not about what I can do or not do. It's not what you can do or not do. But it's all about Jesus. So we receive the no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And uh, that is a blessed, blessed, blessed statement for us today. It's the verdict. Can you imagine? Have, have, do you ever get kind of caught up in a TV drama and maybe there's a courtroom and there's a trial and, you know, the one lawyer puts on their case and, boy, that sounds right. He's, he's got it all right. Uh, and that all sounds right until you hear the other lawyer come present his case. And then you got then you say, whoa, 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 I don't know if that's right or not. But there's a suspense that's a building. There's a, and I think there has been a sus, suspense building in the book of Romans in chapters 1 through 7. So we all, what are we waiting on when the trial's over? What are we waiting? It may be a jury trial, it might be a bench trial, and the judge is going to make a decision, but what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the verdict. We want to know what is the outcome of all this. And that's what we receive through Paul, what he is telling us through the Holy Spirit in chapter 8, when we think back on all this we've been studying now for weeks, we're coming down to what the verdict of the whole situation is, and the verdict is no condemnation. And that's our position in Christ. We do not stand in condemnation any longer. Um, the therefore that Paul uses in one commentary that I read says that it's, uh, he's making a logical argument here. Uh, it's as if Paul is saying there is no condemnation and I can prove it. Uh, if we are one with Jesus and he is our head, we cannot be condemned. You can acquit the head, uh, but you can't condemn the hand that goes with it. You can't drown the foot as long as your head's out of the water. And we're part of the body of Christ. And therefore, there is no condemnation. Um, the, the verdict, and I, I want you to understand this too, the verdict is not that there is less condemnation. That, that's not the verdict. Uh, you know, there's some believers, some uh, churches that may lead you to believe that our standing is improved through Christ. It's not improved. It's transformed. It's not that there is less condemnation. There's no condemnation for those. Now, and, and, and the Scripture goes on to talk about that walk not after the flesh, but in the Spirit. And so that's our quest as after becoming a Christian that we will walk in the Spirit. Brother Michael has taught us in the last couple of weeks, a couple of times, that you know we have that uh, desire that's with us all the time and, and, and the devil pulling us in a direction to uh, try to lead us away from what's right. But in Jesus, we have the power to resist that. So the peace that we have that comes through Jesus 
is that there is no condemnation. I, I'm going to make mistakes. I, I'm going to do wrong. I have and I will. But the consolation that we have is at, as a life through Jesus Christ, we do not stand condemned before God. Because what did Jesus do? Jesus stood in our place. Did we deserve to be condemned? Yes. Oh yes. We deserve to be condemned. But we are not condemned because Jesus took upon Himself our condemnation so that now there is therefore no condemnation for us. Now that's a wonderful, that is a wonderful, wonderful uh, truth of God's Word that there is not condemnation. And um, I'm not going to get any further here. We want Brother Michael to teach this lesson to us in through 8, but this, uh, chapter 8, but this is one of the very most wonderful chapters to me in all of God's Word.